Shincheonji was started in South Korea in 1984 by Lee Man-hee, who the church claims possesses the spirit of Jesus Christ. About a third of the population of 51 million is Christian, but Shincheonji is not accepted by the mainstream churches. It's estimated to have more than 200,000 followers here. Shincheonji is a doomsday sect awaiting a judgment day, an apocalypse where only 144,000 true believers will be elevated to the position of high priest in the afterlife. But with more members than positions available, there's competition even among the devout. Ultimately, members end up doing more work, giving more money and bringing more members to Shincheonji. The secretive fringe sect received international attention last year. More than 5,000 cases of COVID-19 were linked to the church, the worst outbreak in Korea during the first wave of the virus. In a country with almost universal mask wearing and social distancing, there was anger at the church for flouting the rules. Kim Jin-yong was a member at the time. I was told by Shincheonji that we were immortal, but then I saw members dying from COVID-19. A pattern that I've observed and seen is that they're trying to kind of sweep underneath the rug the 38 plus years of, you know, using these very shady tactics. And they're not, and they're, from my point of view, they're kind of more or less kind of gaslighting, pretending like they've never done it, or they're trying to kind of say, oh, it wasn't that big of a deal, you just misunderstood. Yeah. Yeah, and that's that, kind of unfortunate, yeah. and that's yeah. very slimy in my opinion. So today I'm doing a bit of a different interview than what you're used to. While usually I'm interviewing members or former members of the World Mission Society Church of God, today I'm interviewing a former member of the Shinchanji cult, uh, or the SCJ. So this is another South Korean cult that has a lot of similarities to the World Mission Society Church of God. Um, the member or the former member that I'm interviewing today is named Chris. Uh, he reached out to me a few months ago and, and he wanted to be interviewed and just kind of share his experience. And the interesting thing is that he actually came across one of our videos uh, with Kelsey, where Kelsey was, I think, being interviewed and sharing her testimony. And the similarities between these two groups were, were so close that um, this video actually play, played a role in him leaving the Shinchanji cult group. And so, uh, yeah, that was really neat to hear from him and to hear how the uh, videos we're making have um, even been reaching members of other cult groups. But we do want to start covering uh, more of a wide range uh, than just the WMSUG. Obviously, we'll continue to focus on them as well, and we're going to continue to make interviews on that group. Uh, but this group is, is very similar, uh, again, a South Korean originating group, and so I thought it'd be fun to kind of uh, change scenery a little bit and, and hear a different perspective uh, from a different cult, but also I think most everything that uh, Chris shares in his story is, is I think, so applicable to um, anybody involved with the WMSCOG, and I think he gives such great information and just a great overview on this group and uh, yeah just some really good takeaways from his story um, as always if you want to help us to continue making these videos uh, the best way to do that is to go to patreon.com slash great light studios um, 
Also, if you've noticed at the bottom below uh, the videos now, there's a little button. It's a join button that you can click on. And so now right here on YouTube, you can uh, become a partner of Great Light Studios. And, um, and so you'll get different benefits. There's different levels you can uh, join at, different levels of support. There's perks to each of those levels. And at any level you join at, I think it, it gives you like a little badge that will appear next to all your comments and any interactions you have on the videos and on the channel and it, it's kind of just a fun way of saying that you are partnered with Great Light Studios and uh, yeah and so yeah those are a couple ways you can uh, just really help us out to keep doing this and so we appreciate all of you who have su supported us and have continued to support us those of you who have jumped on Patreon in the past couple uh, weeks we just want to say thank you I want to say thank you again for that it's super helpful uh, as we continue to make these videos and so yeah, with all that said, I uh, am really excited for you to hear uh, Chris's story. Hey, Chris. Hey, how are you doing, Jordan? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. A little nervous, as expected, but okay. man. This is the first time I think I've, I've interviewed somebody from a different cult besides the WMSCOG. So this will be mm -hmm. different. This is... Uh, yeah, I, I'm hoping to, to do more videos on them. And so mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> I feel like this will be, yeah, I'm just really interested to learn more and kind of just get a good overview of the group. And Yeah. Let me go ahead yeah. and get started with like, what does Shinchenji actually believe? And then on a high level and kind of go from there. And then, yeah, yeah. cool. Yeah, so, and like, kind of like I said, um, mm -hmm. This is this is all new to me, so this is going to be like cool. a, a learning experience uh, yeah. for me because I most of probably what you're going to tell me is, is going to be mm. brand new. I've been you know working with the WMSCOG for three mm -hmm. to four years, somewhere around there, so I'm obviously a lot more familiar. And so yeah, I'm yeah. just excited for you to kind of take me through this and 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 teach okay. me the basics. So let me start off with this. Um, they do not believe that Jesus is God, and they okay. believe that he is a prophet or final messenger, or sorry, not final messenger, I guess more of like a promised pastor is how they phrase it, mm -hmm. and that he is the fulfillment of the Old Testament. They do believe that he is a perfect being, and that he is created by God, the Father, and that when he died on the cross, his blood still atoned for our sins. Mm -hmm. And then the second coming today is that there's a different, uh, another person. The leader is Manhee Lee or Lee Manhee. It's, I don't know. I always call him Sunset Name or Teacher when I was in the group. Okay. And we do not believe that he is Jesus, but we do believe that he's a final prophet or messenger who speaks on behalf of Jesus and God and that Jesus' spirit is working through him. And eventually, what we believe is that there'll be an event called the first resurrection, where Jesus will, quote unquote, marry uh, Manhi Lee, in, and Jesus' spirit will unite with Manhi Lee's flesh, and then he and the members of SCJ will become immortal. What they believe in the first resurrection is that the spirits of heaven, which are filled with martyrs, will someday unite with their flesh, the members of SCJ, and they will become immortal. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think so. It, it's interesting because mm -hmm. it, at this point, it sounds almost more similar to maybe like Jehovah's Witnesses it or, is, or yeah. something like that than it does to the WMSCOG. Oh, yeah. 
See, I like to sometimes joke around and say that they're the Korean Jehovah Witnesses. Uh -huh. And they also have the emphasis on the 144,000, yeah. just like Royal yep. Mission Society. Right. The similarities between Royal Mission Society and uh, SCJ, and a short abbreviation, is that they make an emphasis on the parables. And that's how they approach the Bible. I'll go ahead and get into that a little bit more. I just mm -hmm. want to make sure to cover all the main points. Yes, So, definitely. Yeah, and um, so we talked about Jesus how they view him. They deny the Trinity, and they also believe that um, the Holy Spirit of God is really just Holy Spirits. So what that means is that like any spirit that belongs to God is a Holy Spirit. And they believe that God is in spirit and that God is one. So they deny the Trinity, and they deny the modalism as well. And so... That's another key important detail to remember. And at least from my experience, uh, I talked to, when I was introduced to this group, I would ask these questions and they would say like, yeah, we believe in the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. However, that's not fully honest. And this group actually, another big emphasis is that they actually believe that the ends justify the means and that lying is okay. That's another really big thing to remember. And they justify lying by looking at, they would say, like, look at Rahab the spy, look at Jacob the deceiver, and look at all these other people who've lied to do God's will to bring out his kingdom on earth. And um, they would even quote 1 Corinthians 9, verses 20 to 22, where in those verses it says, to a Jew become a Jew. And that's how, so that helps them justify their deception. And what I mean by deception is what they normally do is they use front groups you know, uh, some of them are like Word of Life Theology, uh, School of Theology, which Dr. Stephen Hassan, the cult expert, called them out on. And, you know, where they're pretending to be pious Christians and, mm -hmm. you know, or that's strongly inferred, but they oftentimes don't have a reference of who they actually are or what they really believe. So, yeah. Interesting. And, and they also mm -hmm. are... I, this might be jumping ahead a little bit, so sure. so we can save this for later. But they also use deception in in the way that they get people to join the group, right? Like when they oh, would absolutely. invite people to their Bible studies, they act mm -hmm. as if they'll kind of have it staged with uh, a mm -hmm. group of other people there yep. who are already members, but they act as if they're brand yeah. new, just like the person being invited to kind of make them mm -hmm. feel more comfortable and, and can kind of yeah. manipulate the whole situation. Yeah, and that's the leaf and fruit um, pairing. So okay. there is a German video. I don't know German, so I can pronounce it. I'll send it to you after this video, which goes into detail about just how much information they not only manipulate, but they control and also collect on the new members. They talk about like the age, the name, personality type, whether or not they're worthy or ready to actually join a Bible study, things like that. And again, I'll give them credit where credit is due. They are starting to post a lot of their stuff online now. But a pattern that I've observed and seen is that they're trying to kind of sweep underneath the rug the 38 plus years of, you know, using these very shady tactics. Mm -hmm. And they're not in there. From my point of view, they're kind of more or less kind of gaslighting, pretending like they've never done it. Or they're mm -hmm. trying to kind of say, oh, it wasn't that big of a deal. You just misunderstood. Yeah. Yeah, and that's that, kind of unfortunate, yeah. and that's yeah. very slimy, in my opinion. So, yeah, yeah, but but also very characteristic of of cults. I mean, that's oh, the, absolutely obviously that's the exact same behavior that <laughs> WMCOG mm -hmm. uh, 
acts out on, on a regular basis. Yeah. And another big thing too, is this, um, their indoctrination. Now what's the difference between indoctrination and a, you know, an education. So when you join their Bible studies, as we already kind of talked about, they don't tell you who they are. And just like world mission society, church of God, they make an emphasis on don't look us up online. Don't Google anything we teach you because the internet's poison. And when I heard Kelsey's testimony about poison, I had a pretty good, I had a giant grin on my face. I was like, oh, that's deja vu. And what they do have, by the way, is that they have an internet team, an internet poison team that scavenges the YouTube videos and Facebooks and et cetera. And they basically are more or less SUJ spies. And they comment on videos and they try to discredit ex-members who speak out. And they, um, you know, just like World Mission Society. Oh, yeah. And s- sometimes I kind of like to play the game with myself. It's like, okay, is this World Mission Society or is this SCJ? Uh-huh. Let's find yeah. out next time on the next episode of <laughs> Dragon Ball Z. Right. You yeah. know, so looking at the comments <laughs> in your videos, I yeah. sincerely can't tell the difference. You can't tell them apart. Yeah. Yeah. Until they start saying Mother God, I'm like, oh, okay, I know who they are. Yep. Now. Wow. So, fun stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And they kind of, so you're, you're mm-hmm. saying that like the, just the behaviors and the responses of the WMSCOG members that you see in the comments, it just seems to you like very similar to oh, absolutely. SCJ members. And on top of that, another important detail is that I've interacted with some ex-leaders on my own time. And an important detail that they've called out was that they actually own the ex-members website, they being SCJ. So if you were to Google Shinchenji, it would be xchenchenji.com. According to some mm-hmm. ex-leaders who I've interacted with, it's owned by them. So they're pretending to be ex-members so that they can try to discredit us. Wow. Wait, yeah. so how, how does that work? What, what, what kind of content then are they putting on that X? They're trying to say, thing like, um, they say things like, oh, Shinchenji members, they don't know the Bible and all this other stuff. Or they kind of, from my viewpoint, when I skimmed the website, are very passive-aggressive against a lot of uh-huh. X members and stuff like that, too. So okay. that just shows the level of deception that this group has yeah. operated in. And again, yep. this is reports from X leaders from other parts of the world that I have uh, researched. And yeah. Too. And that, so. that's just something that, you know, I, I'll say this about the WMSCOG all the time, but mm-hmm. if, if a group like this thinks they have the truth that they claim to have the, like the right. only truth of God, the one true church and whatnot, mm-hmm. why is there such a need to hide and manipulate? And I know there's such an insecurity that is just, uh, so evident in, I know. in this kind of behavior. And another thing they also point out is even Jesus said to many of the new believers when he was around, he said, hey, keep this on a download until I am until I'm ready or, you know, until mm-hmm. he is raised in glory to God. Okay, let me go ahead and make an emphasis on this too. There's a difference between keeping things on a down low versus outright lying. Mm-hmm. And so when you look at the life of Jesus, he would scold the Pharisees and teachers of the law to their face in person and in public. And he would also send his disciples out to go preach, you know, shout on the tops of the rooftops to preach the word of God. Right. He never encouraged them to lie or use deception. And in fact, uh, that 1 Corinthians 9, verse 20 to 22, uh, if you read 2 Corinthians 4, Paul explicitly makes it clear that we do not use deception to do mm-hmm. so, to, you know, or anything like yeah. that, right? And actually, yes. yeah. 
What I'm sorry. What what's the reference there? Because I, I just Second Corinthians four specifically okay. verse two. Okay, yeah. you can go on. I just wanted that's that's a really good point yeah. to bring up when there is such yeah. blatant lies like that. Exactly. Um, and, yeah, and there's then, other then ones. A very clear verse that that <laughs> says that's not how the apostles operated. So no, actually, Paul, even though he's being chased around by the Jews at the time, trying to be killed, they're reading his letters according to Acts. <laughs> I mean, like yep. uh, he still would go to the synagogues and be like, "Hey, do you know about this person named Christ?" He would publicly declare the name of Christ. And there's even other verses where Jesus plainly says, let your yes be yes and your no be no. Otherwise, yep. it's from the devil or from the evil one. And so there's a lot of uh, instances where now that I had time to kind of breathe a little bit, leave the group, and actually read the Bible for myself and actually read the full book, uh, like the full books, like the Gospels, I realized that, like, okay, yeah, there is no way, first of all, that you can, first of all, deny that Christ is God if you take the Gospels as an inherent word of God. And there's really no logical way to justify lying and deception when the apostles in Christ never use such methods to, um, you know, to propagate. And other main verses that I've seen them use is John 7, verses 7 to 8, which talks about how Jesus is like, oh, I'm not going to the... Uh, festival with his brothers who were mocking him and they kind of ignore how john six he publicly said you need to eat my flesh and drink my blood in front of a crowd of a couple thousand people he just you know fed yep. so i'm just kind of like hmm and um there's so many other things that they normally say but like and another kind of thing that i would like to think to myself is okay so going back to rahab the spy or jacob the deceiver uh -huh. like um okay so yes they did lie However, Moses was a murderer, and David was an adulterer, right. and they both received God's blessing. So does that mean we can murder and commit adultery? Yeah, right. Yes. Like, yeah, that, a that's a great like, point. Yeah. It's, it's <laughs> the, yeah, so like one way of putting that maybe is, is the difference in the Bible between things that are descriptive and things that are prescriptive like things that are being mm -hmm. prescribed to us as commands or things we ought to do ourselves and things that are mm -hmm. simply being described like events that are being narrated that we're not necessarily supposed to mimic uh and so yeah that's, that's a great example david committed adultery and and used deception and and mm -hmm. murder to achieve his ends uh but that certainly isn't evidence that we we should follow that same pattern or that the, the ends uh, or the, the ends just ends just by the means because yeah. Romans three verses seven to eight. So ironically, uh, from my experience, Romans three, seven was used to justify the ends justifying the means. But if you read verse eight and go ahead and go to that verse. Yeah. You said Romans three, seven. Yep. Three, seven to eight. So if you read the full context, Paul clearly condemns that or well, basically sets up the premise of, okay, if my unrighteousness brings forth righteousness, what's the big deal? Is essentially what he's saying, right? Right. And then, and then at the very end, he claims like, um, let's just read it for itself. If you want, go ahead and read, or I can read it to him. However, if my falsehood accentuates God's truthfulness to the increase of his glory, why am I still condemned a sinner? Why not say, as some senators claim we say, let us do evil that good may result? Their condemnation is deserved. Ouch. 
<laughs> so it makes it pretty clear. The Bible makes it pretty clear that we're not supposed to lie or use any form of deception to the best of our ability in order to propagate God's truth. And that's, you know, that's how we are the light of the world through our words and our actions. Mm -hmm. And um, other really key important verses that helped me wake up from this group was Matthew 7, 15 through 24 and 2 Peter chapter 2. Let's go to Matthew 7, 15 through 24. Uh-huh. If you can't tell, I definitely had to do my homework before leaving. <laughs> yep, yep. You know, because like um, I wanted to make sure biblically I'll sound. Yep. So how how long uh, mm -hmm. have you been out? Um, since last July. Since last July. Okay. Mm -hmm. And well, I'm, I know we'll get to your story more here in a minute. Absolutely. And you said Matthew seven, fifteen. And uh, yeah, so essentially it talks about a wolf in sheep's clothing. It talks about how by you can recognize a tree by its fruit and how uh, there's also another famous verse that even World Mission likes to quote, 20, verse 21, where it talks about not everyone who claims my name yeah. will, you know, go enter the kingdom of heaven. So the idea, though, is that when you read Matthew seven fifteen to 24, or verse 21 in context, you can clearly see that what Jesus was talking about was that he was referring to how false prophets would behave, that people would follow these false prophets and pastors, and that even though they dedicate their entire life to this false prophet or pastor, it doesn't necessarily mean that they are saved. Because another big uh, comment that um, SUJ and other high control groups like to make is, oh, well, look how much better of a Christian that, that we are than mainstream Christianity, which I'll give him credit or credit to, I do believe, you know, there's some flaws in a Christian church, right? Mm -hmm. And so, you know, and so the wolves in sheep's clothing, when we get to my story now too, I'll get back to this later on, I, how I was recruited essentially, mm -hmm. really kind of struck a chord with me. And then mm -hmm. second Peter chapter two, uh, when you bring that up. Yep, let me pull that up real quick. Okay. Yep. Okay. And it says how they will secretly introduce their destructive heresies about false prophets and how they act. So now there are also false prophets among people, just as there will be false teachers among you. They will secretly introduce their destructive heresies, even denying the master who bought them, bringing self-destruction on themselves. So I remember reading these verses when I was starting to wake up from this group, being in shell shock because almost every single verse that talked about false prophets or false pastors and their behaviors, I would make the argument from my experience with SEJ, they fit the bill and they and they did all the check boxes from a biblical perspective. And I couldn't believe it. So you're saying they fit the bill of false prophet. Mm -hmm. Yeah. From my yeah. experience, of course. Yep. So, yep. Okay. So you, you had a couple notes I, I was curious about mm -hmm. on um, the promised pastor. Um, sure. And I was curious if you could maybe talk a little bit more about him. So I, I see you have a note that talks about how he, mm -hmm. he claims where there's something related to him about receiving a vision from an angel. So is that sort right. of how this whole thing started? Was it, was it him claiming that or somebody claiming that about him? Yeah, so let's go ahead and I'll go ahead and answer that question and then try to kind of expand more of the history of this group. Mm 
So to answer that specific question, what is taught is that in the spring of 1980, the promised pastor or leader of SEJ ate the open scroll. What that open and that open scroll is given to him in vision by an angel on God and on behalf of God and Jesus. What it means to have an open scroll is a metaphorical way of saying that he was taught the fulfillment and the events of Revelation from chapters uh, one to twenty-two, and they believe that that's the fulfillment of Revelation ten because there's an open scroll uh, uh, in Revelation ten that's given to him essentially. Okay. And uh, to give you some more context, other names for this uh, leader would be the New John. What they believe is that um, John is a person parable that foreshadows another person in the future. So John the Apostle, who saw the vision, just saw it in prophecy, while the New John, or the promised pastor of today, saw all the physical events that happened and that he is fulfilling the revelation, him and his church. They say that in the first coming, uh, is, uh, Jesus was foreshadowed by Ezekiel, because if you go to Ezekiel chapter 3, there's also an open scroll that uh, Ezekiel ate. And basically, Ezekiel was foreshadowing Jesus to preach to the rebellious house of Israel. So that's essentially what's going on there. Hopefully that makes sense, okay. and that's a lot to yeah. digest. <laughs> so they, they focus in then on Revelation, and that's, that's emphasized Mm -hmm. as as uh, kind of a key point for them? Yeah, they believe that they're the ones, uh, through their leader, who can correctly interpret Revelation verse by verse. Okay. And when I was in this group, I there's even a video of me praising their doctrines, too. Um, you know, it's, uh, where basically I thought, wow, they have the best teachings and the greatest version of Revelation and they answer all my questions. Um as I mentioned earlier, that you're not allowed to look at other doctrines. They call it poison commentaries, like other biblical commentaries. They call it the maddening wine. And when I left this group, I realized that, first of all, there's other groups that can explain Revelation verse by verse. And that even mainstream pastors like John MacArthur, for example, can explain it verse by verse as well. So that kind of makes them lose a little bit of their credibility for their mm -hmm. claim, you know? Yep. Yeah, obviously. Yeah. So, um, and then as far as salvation, um, mm -hmm. could you talk some about that? Like what are their, mm -hmm. obviously for the WMSCOG, they have a, a strong emphasis on Passover and mm -hmm. Sabbath observance and tithing, things like that. Right. Is there uh, similarities there? Right. So for salvation, um, you have to be a part of their church. And so you have to sign their book of life, which is their church registry. And you have to uh, be a part of their church. You have to, what they call, um, have olive oil, a lamp, and wedding clothes to be ready. So that's all metaphorical language. Uh, essentially what that means is you need to know their doctrines. You need, they call it being sealed. And they throw tests at you every other week to make sure that you're sealed. And you need to score 90% or above, otherwise you could get in trouble. If you score below, so there's a lot of pressure in that. You need to produce fruit. So meaning you need to recruit people because mm -hmm. if you don't recruit, if you don't produce fruit, you can get cut off and thrown away. And then you also need to uh, have righteous actions. So meaning you need to continuously be an active member. Now there are some people who kind of skate by, but they all, you know, by skating by, I mean, maybe they're not as active or something mm -hmm. like that. However, they always kind of threaten the, uh, Hey, there's going to be a separation at the end. 
Okay. You know, things like that. So there's a, it's a very workspace salvation. Okay. And, so, yeah. sorry, but you, you say mm-hmm. you talked about a 90% test score. So, so right. you're telling me that they're giving regular exams on their doctrines to yeah. members and, and salvation is dependent on how well you continue to do on those tests. Is that um, so this is from my understanding, uh, there was always that looming threat that if you didn't have enough olive oil in your jar, which means if you didn't have their word of testimony in your heart, there was a chance in the pressure you may be getting thrown out. And so there is a lot of that pressure from my perspective that happened a lot. They may deny it, they may accept it, but there was like, they make an emphasis on the 10 virgins in Matthew 25, where there are some virgins who had enough olive oil, which to them is the word of testimony of their fulfillment, who had enough, and the other virgins who didn't have enough, and the virgins who didn't have enough were thrown out. So they may not always directly say things, but it is kind of implied. implicitly. Yeah. yeah. So then okay. they can kind of legally basically deny it being like, we never said that. And that's another mm-hmm. thing that this group does a lot is from my experience and from other ex members experiences is they don't directly tell you things, but they certainly make sure to hang it over your head. Yeah. And then, <laughs> and then, but, but they, they communicate things in a way so that if later on you charge them with saying those things that are obviously right problematic they can they Deny can it. sort of gaslight you and say you know we never yep. said that and you just misunderstood oh. us and you took you, it wrong oh man that's deja vu to some good memories yeah i'm kidding good old memories there are a lot oh, of yeah. times where i would ask like wait a minute this doctrine has changed and yeah. i sometimes they'd answer my questions and other times they would yell at me okay. so you know fun times fun yep. times Okay, I bet. Wow. (laughs) So you also have a note here about Mm -hmm. going back to man, he, Lee, or Lee, man, he. Um, I'm I'm guessing the way you, the order in which you say that depends on if you're in uh, Korea or not. Is that Yeah, I just call him Man, he, Lee. And um, I'm sure, or when I was in it, I call him Sassanim, which is teacher. Teacher, okay. Uh, But you, you, you say that they believe that he won't die um, only if God wills it. So Yeah, so I'll go ahead and emphasize on that. Um, until mm-hmm. the first resurrection happens, he uh, is still mortal. But this is where it gets a little bit fuzzy um, because I get different reports from different people. Um, what they believe is that God won't allow him to die, that he will probably, that God through him and his church, will fulfill revelation. I've noticed a change over the years that um, they went from, okay, so if he dies, some of the leaders and other long-term members told me, um, if he dies, then it's all a lie and I'll leave the church. And I've also noticed other changes where they're like, only if God wills it, Mon Healy won't die. And that's in a journal censor when that journal censor did a report on them. And then recently on on the subreddit, uh, the member who left Vancouver kind of mentioned how like, oh, even if Monhe Lee dies, God will still do his fulfillment of revelation. So I can kind of see the spectrum of like, there's a potential that they're preparing for his death. Maybe, yeah. maybe not. Um, yeah. So for now, 
it's kind of like a weird gray zone of whether or not he's immortal or not. I think the correct answer to that would just be they believe that God won't allow him to die because they even quote John 14, 16, where they believe that he's a comforter and that, um, you know, that spirit who God will um, be, he'll be like the pillar in the temple of God that, you know, won't leave. And that's Revelation 3. Okay. So, so based on their doctrines or or their mm-hmm. teachings around that, if they're consistent, when mm-hmm. he does die, it should be problematic, but they will yes. most likely find a way to wiggle themselves out of it. Yep. Yeah. And I can kind of I can kind of see a few ways of them wiggling their way out of it. Like, uh, you know, maybe they'll say like, hey, Moses brought Israel out of slavery and a captivity. 40 years in the desert and now there's a Joshua, you know, something like that. I can, I can mm-hmm. see them kind of playing that card. Yes. And it's interesting though, too, about this like people parable stuff is that um, there are actual other sects that are lesser known on my research. Um, there's a sect in South America that makes a claim of a new Aaron, kind of like how there's a new John or even mm-hmm. a new Jeremiah. So I bring this up because it shows how easy it is to twist and to, to scripture. And even when I was comparing notes to some of my ex world mission society, church of God friends, even though we would quote the same verses, the way that we would interpret them are completely different. And they'll still use the, uh, what I like to call parable dictionary approach for the Bible. So, you know, there's things like that. There's things to kind of keep in mind. Okay. Okay. So, um, I see you had the indoctrination class. Did you cover mm-hmm. that yet? Not yet, no. Okay, so I'll just let you decide which which direction you want to go from here. Sure. I think uh, a good flow would be like, I'll go ahead and explain how the indoctrination class works, and then I'll tell my story, and Mm -hmm. then from there, uh, I can talk about the psychology as well, and things like that, because, you know, even through the indoctrination class alone, it fits perfectly within the bite model, which I'm sure you and your Uh viewers know about, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So essentially, uh, from what I've witnessed, um, the indoctrination class has three major parts. It's the, the first part is the parables. And in the parables, they make an emphasis on Matthew 13 and how you need to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven in order to obtain salvation. And to obtain that salvation is to join the church. And then uh, what they do is they build up a parable dictionary where, you know, they they um yeah like as the name implies like uh maybe the word is seed so luke 11 you know makes it pretty clear that seed is the word of god or the word mm-hmm. and so then whenever you say you see the word seed throughout the bible they do a parable injection where it's like oh seed equals word they don't do it all the time but they would do it 99 percent of the time um another good example of this would be uh they make a parable of the cloud and they redefine what cloud means is that it's the invisible uh it's a, it's a symbol of this invisible spiritual world okay and so when you read acts chapter one they use that parable dictionary definition to justify how christ will return in spirit at the second coming because if you read acts chapter one you can clearly see that Jesus is in his transfigured body and that he ascends to heaven and then he's hidden away in the cloud. And an angel says to the disciples, Jesus will return the same way. Mm-hmm. How they define that is, no, no, no. Instead, 
because there's a cloud there, therefore Jesus returns in spirit. That's interesting. Are you familiar with the WMSCOG's emphasis on that? Uh, I believe so, but feel free. Yeah, to well, they, <laughs> I, I'm not I'm not the expert on this in, in no sure. sense, but they they kind of take it the opposite direction. They do also emphasize the like the symbolism of clouds and only mm -hmm. they interpret it as flesh, meaning flesh. Mm -hmm. And so um, and so to them, the, they interpret Acts chapter one as meaning that Christ would his his second coming would be him returning in the flesh again, being born again uh -huh. as, as a human being. And so uh -huh. that's interesting. It's sort of like SCJ is saying clouds equals spirit. And WMSUG <laughs> saying no clouds equal flesh. But yeah. they both obviously, it, it seems like they just totally missed the obvious implication of that verse, like you just said, where mm -hmm. the angel says he will, re this same Jesus will, will return the same way you saw him leave. Yeah. They read into the text. And then um, another big thing is that um, another good example of them reading into the text through the parable dictionary is, I believe it's Matthew 8 10 through 11. Uh, it talks about how, like, his at the end of age will be like lightning, you know, a uh, mm -hmm. lightning. Let's go ahead and verify that if that's okay with you. Yep. But that was Matthew 8, 10 through 11, I believe. Okay. When Jesus came from, oh, no, that's the wrong one. <laughs> Should I tell you, uh, so in verse 11, I say to you that many come from the east and the west uh, to share the great banquet with Abraham, Jacob, the king of heaven, and the sons of the king of the king of the darkness and even gnashing your teeth. Okay. Well, Was then the I Yeah, essentially it talks about how when Jesus returns, it'll be like a lightning. And, you like know, as the lightning flashes in from the east to the west. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I got that one confused. But the essence is that they read the, now. Okay, so a plain text reading of that shows that okay, it'll be an obvious event when Jesus returns, right? Mm -hmm. And so instead, what they do is lightning basically represents the spiritual world. I'm kind of you know paraphrasing here. Yeah. And that that also shows how Jesus will return in spirit. Okay. So that's kind of like how what they do with this parable actually. So the first third of the class is they see parables then they quote hosea 12 10 which talks about how god talks to his servants and the prophets as um and metaphors and parables and then they use that to justify the parable dictionary that they approach the bible to and so that's the first third the second third would be um intermediate so it's from genesis to jude through the parabolic lens they basically redefine the bible they don't go through every single book and every single verse but they go over you know the main the main chapters and the main like books and things like mm -hmm. that and then they redefine each one so do you feel like as they're going through these studies or just i suppose mm -hmm. in general in the way they handle the bible do they mm -hmm. um do they kind of jump around and proof text or, or is there ever like a reading through the chapters and really seeking after the context and the, the right. history and, and so on? Yeah. So the parables, especially it was definitely jumping around the Bible. You know, they call it Ninja Bible 
you know, and stuff yep. like that yeah. as a joke. Right. And then yep. when they get into intermediate, it's kind of like they still jump around the verses, but not as much. And they definitely do not, from my experience, take into the context of what was going on from a historical point of view. And a mm-hmm. lot of times they don't really get into like the Greek of Hebrew or the Hebrew. Mm-hmm. And they rely on the 1984 NIV version. That is their main source. And maybe yeah. once in a while they might jump to like a King James version or something, but it's very rare. Yeah. WMSDOG, in my experience, uses the NIV uh, for the most part. So yeah. that's, that's strange that they both do wonder the what same the connection thing, right? is there. Yeah. Yeah. And um, so, you know, so they kind of do that. And then they go to Revelation and uh, that's the advanced class or yeah that's the advanced class it's the final class and so that's where they go do their parable and uh, dictionary again and they interpret revelation verse by verse and oftentimes that's their that's their source of pride i guess in a way of like Mm -hmm. how they can do that right and so they're like oh because we do this and we have the fulfillment and we have all these photographic evidence Wow. So for me, when I was going through, I was like, wow, that's some really good evidence. eh?" You know, Um, it took me, again, a lot of like research to kind of realize that there are major holes in their fulfillment and uh, that where Monahi Lee, for example, got some of his teachings. It turns out that he was involved with other sects before and um, reading different blogs and going to their sources themselves. And sometimes these are quoting like academic papers or, you know, things like people whose whole entire career is to like study new religious movements. Right. When I deep dive into some of the resources that were available, I kind of started realizing, wait a minute, Monty Lee got most of his teachings from the previous cults that he was in. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't from an angel from God. Hmm. So, yeah. So what were some, what were some of the previous cults that he was involved with? So according to uh, some of the academic per- uh, papers, like the Journal of Censor, and even um, yeah, Journal Censor to name a few. As I of course draw a blank right here. Let me go yep, ahead no, and pull up the sources because I want to make sure that I'm not speaking my opinion and that people uh-huh. can view them for themselves verify um, themselves yeah and and this exactly. material that you're referring to we can link in the the video description i would love that actually so, and yeah. um the two ones i'm going to go ahead and focus on are uh the journal censor shinchenji and introduction and then the shinchenji religious movement and critical evaluation by young sung kim and then there's also another blog that uh the blogger reached out to an academic to uh, kind of do more research about Monty Lee in the past. So um, on this blog, there's, let's see here, Korea, a religious history. And then there's the creation of heaven and earth, the book by Monty Lee himself. And then the genealogy of cults, the tabernacle temple denomination, and then some aspects of Park Chung No Kyo, a Korean revitalization movement. So these are the sources that these various blogs refer to when uh, these conclusions are drawn. So just saying, this is not my opinion, just, mm-hmm. just laying out the facts there. So according to these various academic sources, Monty Lee was involved with the Olive Tree Movement from 1957 to 1967. And then from there, um, I'm going to go ahead and pull up a quick summary. From there, some of the things that he learned were you know, how there's that weird immortality thing. Uh, the leader of the Olive Tree movement claimed that he was one of the two witnesses, claimed that he was the overcomer, 
and claimed that the um, in order to find the hidden mana, you need to be at the Olive Tree Movement, and that the 144,000 would be going to heaven, and there would be a great multitude coming to them, you know, and all that stuff too. And then there's actually a really good video on uh, YouTube which goes into detail. There, this is a Korean pastor who is focusing on deconverting SUJ members. And it's Lee Man He's Early Years Shinchenji. And I'll send you that link as well. Uh-huh. And yeah, actually, I'll just send it to you right now. Here. Yeah, great. Here's some of the things. And here are some of the blogs that I'm referring to. Blogs okay. that reference academic papers. Great, yeah, and all this all this information that's being referenced, uh, we will link it in the uh, the description. If you're listening on podcast, it'll be in the the show notes as well. So, yep. So we can see that there's a lot of similarities that an SEJ member would be like, wait, that sounds very familiar. And uh, what happened with the Olive Tree movement is that the leader eventually died, and. He was wrong. <laughs> and that's what it really boils down to. Um, yep, that's what happens with cults. Yeah. <laughs> and then there's another one, uh, the Tabernacle Temple. Now, I'll give him credit where credit is due. Uh, a part of Shinchenji's fulfillment revelation talks about the Tabernacle Temple. And so he admits that he was a part of that cult. And what they do is they make an emphasis on parables and that every verse is paired up with a secret head and twin, things like that. Mm. Um, funny enough, that verse that they make reference to, it's actually taken out of context. What and, What is the yeah. verse? Because the, the WMSCOG also emphasizes, they call them, they call them mate, mated verse. Mated pairs. Uh, they say like, that every every verse has its mate or, or something. Yeah. If you don't every know the verse, it's not a big deal. I'm just curious if it would, I, I would assume it's probably the same verse. It's, that they I use. think it's Isaiah 34, 16, I think. Okay. I believe so. Yeah. Okay. I'm looking at the NIV. Look in the scroll of the Lord and read. None of these will be missing. Not one will lack her mate. For his yep. mouth that has given order. Yeah. So they take that one out of her, out of context, right. and yep. they obviously, say, "Oh, well, secret pairings." You know. Yep. That's what a tabernacle temple taught. And then there's a third sect. Um, and on that YouTube video, I made reference to Lehman Healy's early years. They actually get the guy, the cult leader that Mon Healy was a part of, and interview him. Uh, essentially, it's called Box Recreation Church, and uh, Box Recreation Church taught the cycle of creation and recreation, and how essentially how God would always choose a new pastor, and eventually it's the cycle of betrayal, destruction, salvation. So basically, God's people would betray, so He would destroy them, and then He would save them, and they apply that betrayal, destruction, salvation pattern on top of the parable dictionary throughout the Bible. And that's another big key part of Shinchenji's teachings. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, I mean, uh, we could go more in depth, but I feel like, you know, yeah, obviously. That, yeah. That, that's, <laughs> yeah, that seems like a pretty pretty good overview of all that, so. Yeah, 